Brewing with Style is brought to you by Northern Brewer with fast shipping, expert advice, and all the ingredients and equipment you need to make the best beer possible. Visit them today at northernbrewer.com. This is the Brewing Network's Brewing with Style, hosted by Jamil Zanishev and Mike Tasty McDole, along with special guest Jonathan Plise. Now, here's Jamil. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. <laughs> hey, listeners. We're back. Been a long time. And John's here as well. Been a long time coming. Born again, Brew Brothers. Well, it's been almost two months, right? Uh, yeah, it's like gestation period of, of some sort yeah, of we could, Yeah, we could creature. Hatch several batches of fly eggs. <laughs> fly eggs in that time. <laughs> I used the time wisely. I, 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 I hope you did. I so far like the new studio. One is I, I, I feel better about just turning and facing you guys because I don't have the the uh, shooter window behind me. For, oh yeah, for the, for the psycho for the one in like, the back to head. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to to take me out. Yeah, I got a solid. Now wall. we do. Yeah. yeah, now you guys do. I'm always looking for something because I'm going to look talk. out. There's a beautiful garden out there. There's a bar know, with beer on tap. Yeah, uh, wait, waitresses. <laughs> Eventually, in yes. skimpy yeah. costumes. Right, right. You've also got uh, a, waiters and simple. We got a ceiling fan with AC. Ceiling yeah. fan, AC is nice and cool in here. Oh yeah, it's, it's balmy. Yeah, it's nice. I'm not even breaking a sweat. No, it's no. a, a monitor-free desktop too, so you can uh, look right across the table and yeah, see that. It, uh, unobstructed, see. Oh, tasty I can, mug. I can see. That's awesome. John, I like the obstructions. Nipples from here. Before I couldn't. So yeah, yeah the monitor. Blocked. Right there, yeah. What's better, John's nipples or a Tasty's mug? I'd have to go with John's nipples. I would. Yeah, come on. They've always, no they've always, they've always pleased me. You know who else's nipples we have here too? <laughs> Justin's, Bevo's. No, I was going to say mine, but yes, Bevo as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have, sorry. Go ahead, Bevo. Just once, I'd like one show I'm on to not address nipples or boobs or. Oh, Ours came up first. All right. Well, we'll, right. we'll think of a we're show. We're talking about John's. Why are you intruding on John's nipples? We're talking about John's nipples. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, don't, don't feel, you know, let out, you know, when when we're discussing John. Yeah. I, I just can't produce milk. <laughs> if you tried, John, you could. I, I bet you if we, if we made John really try. Actually, when he could. Boys are well, born, they can't. Actually, about the, milk. the first three or four months. When you're born, I mean, little boys can actually produce milk out of their nipples. Oh kidding. yeah, yeah. It's all hormones. Yeah, and then you know things change real what, quick. What what I what I don't understand, and maybe we get to this in, in Jay Z's medical corner, is who was the sick fuck who <laughs> determined that little boys could produce milk out of their nipples? Who who's trying to milk small infant boys? Huh? Yeah, huh? I, don't know what, I don't know why it's that way. That's a really makes, good question. Yeah, there you go. No I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's that, that design crap or something going haywire. That's, I, I got hey, all, speaking I got of a, haywire. I got a lot of questions for you. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> and that I think about when we're not together. That if I wrote them down, we'd have three hours of me asking Jay-Z's these corner. kinds of questions. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Speaking of haywire... If you had a look at those 2014 uh, new style guidelines, the BJCP. Oh, hey, don't uh, get me started. Okay. <laughs> he was just going off. <laughs> I think. I think. 
I think it, what, it's job security for us. I think we could continue. Oh, yeah, we could always say that. Like, they've added 40 I don't know where they're getting that shit. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many have they added? 40? Uh, it's like 40 main categories now, and, you know, wow. they're trying to outdo. Is that a 28? You know, I don't know. What's a 28 to 40? And with a bunch of sub-styles, and yeah. Yeah, a lot more subcategories. It's yeah. kind of like amber European multi, amber European hoppy. It's just like, okay, great. Yeah, so they right, broke out uh, specialty IPA, and a lot of people sent me this, and there's one called brown IPA, mm-hmm. and under the commercial examples, it's got Russian River Gin, it's brown ale. Oh, really? Brown <laughs> yeah. IPA? A collaboration beer that we may or may not make every year right. is on the commercial examples. There you go. That's cool. Well, and I'll tell you, if you, if you want to make a gin that's brown, you know where you get your ingredients? I mean the freshest ingredients possible. Yes, right. and 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 all the ingredients you need with flat rate for this beer and <laughs> any of the beers we talk about. It is Northern Brewer, our fine oh, yeah. sponsor. They're better They've than They've got fine. all that stuff. They've got it fresh. They've got yeah. great customer service, great right. shipping. Right. Uh, you know, wide selection. Anything we Everything. talk about, they got it. Check them out, northernbrewer.com. dot uh, com. They've been supporting this show for a long time. Uh, since since the the tiny days, the small days when John and I started, when we were small, but we, we still are the wee days, the wee days. <laughs> Northern Brewer's been with us, so check them out. Tell them you appreciate them sponsoring the show, and uh, get your next batch of ingredients from northernbrewer dot com. All right, today what are we talking about, John? What are we talking about? Munich Hellas. Munich Hellas. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. Dude, I could drink gallons of that a day. I'd probably die in a few weeks, but I could try. That's why they serve it in like big two-liter glasses or whatever. Yes. That's the way to go. Have you ever been to Munich? No, but I've dreamed of it. I've had dreams of it. I've seen plenty of photos and these beautiful women serving pints. (laughs) These beautiful features. I don't know if I'm looking at the beer or whatever's behind the beer. I'm a butt guy myself. I'm a butt guy too. Your hands are indicating carrying two large glasses of. It's just a great combo to look at. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. One day I will go there. I will definitely. Yes. Yeah, if there's big tits, why not? (laughs) There's great beer. And uh, great people. And uh, the Hoff, the original, uh, you know, Hoffbrau. the yeah. house is there, and uh, but I'll tell you, I, I've been to that one in Munich, and I've been to the one in uh, in Las Vegas, and I would say in the beer in Las Vegas, it's that's pretty much it's it's right spot on. I mean, really, you know, it's a good place to try it. They're brewing it in Germany, and then they ship it over. Yeah, yeah, right, sure. And they're shipping it, uh, and they're moving through yeah. enough of it that the you know the times I've been to the one in Vegas, I was very pleased. It's, I was like, you've, hey, been, to, you've been to the wow. real place too, yeah. so uh, oh I'll God, take your word beer. for that. Yeah, that's good. A good beer. I was I was pleased. That's a that's a great example. That's a really Maybe light style. Something. Of course, we'll talk about that. That shows any flaw that may have occurred in uh, mm-hmm. transportation. Well, uh, uh, to the only thing that pisses me off about the Hofbrau House in Las Vegas is they serve the beer with a machine where oh, they yeah. just like press you know mm-hmm. half liter or one liter or whatever. And then the machine fucks up, and you get like this, you know, two thirds full glass, without even any foam or anything on the top. And then uh, they're they're going like, "Here you go." I'm like, "Could I get like a full glass?" They're like, "Oh no, that's that's full." Okay, <laughs> so you see the mark on the glass here? Yeah. That's full. Yeah. And you're, you're about an inch and a half below that. Yeah. <laughs> Could you fill up? And like, no, I can't. Wow. 
And it's seven. like, you know, I, I can only press the button that, you know, dispenses. Oh, yeah, you'd have to, print it, to press it twice, and then that would be too much. Yes. Right, right. It's just like, you. okay, fine, yeah. whatever. Uh, that really pissed me off. $12 later. Maybe, yeah, maybe they fixed that. I hope if they haven't, tell then, them to shove it up their ass. Well, this is when, they, when you go to order, say, can I see your, the glass once? And you look at the glass. Can you fill it up to that line for me, please? You ask for that. Right, right, right. right. Then when they don't, they, they, they have no place to do They have no, and there's some nowhere mark, to go. There's a mark on the German yeah, glasses yeah, that say, like, half liter, yeah, one liter, liter, whatever you order, yeah. yeah. Right. So you know that that's full, and then the rest is, is well, head. You want yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Part of the experience. I mean, right, right. Mm-hmm. And they, they mentioned head retention in every single style for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. There you go. Why mention it if it, if it's if there's no style where that's not appropriate? It, it, it should just be a given, should it? Some beers are still little, strong, little head. Strong beers are going to pour Barley still. Wines, yeah. But but even even ones with little head, you still need retention for what little head there is, or is that not correct? Some have more retention, you know, much longer retention. You know, it'll be uh, uh, more like a mousse that just sits there. Um, you know, you can drink a beer where there's a just a lump of foam that. Fifteen twenty minutes later, it's just, just sit, it's sitting in the bottom of your empty glass like a like a, uh, a funky marshmallow. It persists. And the other hand would be like a, a, a barley wine that wouldn't have any foam at all. Hardly, the alcohol impedes the uh, head formation. See, and I don't believe that. You can have a. Uh, we discussed this before. A I lacy uh, laced. Uh, you can have lacing, right? Lacing right. on a uh, barley wine. Oh sure, sure. I, I think, you know, because uh, they did some tests where they just added, you know, ethanol to oh. a beer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, if, if high alcohol is the issue, then by adding a bunch of ethanol and you know, they took it up to like 25% mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, it didn't affect head retention. Okay, so, but, but <laughs> high alcohol beers do have head retention issues. Right. And what would be the reason then? Fermentation. Oh. So the yeast are producing a lot of other stuff other than ethanol. And uh, byproduct, uh, uh, so it's uh, some of the other byproducts. So they produce some of else. the head retention factors. They used to. They have, uh, or well, they'll consume the. Or they're producing things that that impede, impede head retention. Gotcha. Right. And we so, don't know what those are yet. Uh, Bamforth probably knows, and we're probably just too stupid. <laughs> Let's get him on the phone. You're the closest to Bamforth that I know, so <laughs> right, I thought I'd ask right. you. <laughs> yeah, Fairfield's pretty close to Davis. Yeah, okay, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, let's hear about the uh, the Hellas style and uh, how to discern a great one right after this. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified beer server, certified Cicerone, and master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. 
Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris, and I approve this message. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein? Yes, J.P. Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alphas. <laughs> yes, J.P. Law. We will, for I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman, with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy a pint? Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. The biggest innovation in brewer's yeast in 125 years is here. Yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. See it for yourself at NHC in Grand Rapids. Pure White Labs. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the Home Brewer. 
listening to Brewing Style on the Brewing Network. Now back to Brewing with Style. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, uh, Munich Hellas, which is uh, one of my favorite styles, really. It's a great, uh, easy-drinking, enjoyable uh, clean fermented. It's got a nice malty character. It's not, uh, you know, too much one way or another. You don't uh, see enough of them, do you? What, what happened? Uh, you know, I think all, you know, just the whole lager thing is kind of falling out of favor at the craft beer world. Oh, ale base. Ah. Ah. I'm going to put that on a cart. <laughs> Old radio lingo. <laughs> John, what, what, you give us a give us a rundown of uh, the BJCP description of uh, Munich Hellas. Schwanley. Let's see. Munich Hellas is pale gold visually in color. Uh, in the aroma, it's very clean. You shouldn't get like a sweetness from the uh, Pilsner malt. Uh, there should be some hints of Pilsner malt, but uh, definitely it's a clean malt profile. Maybe some graininess. Uh, no diacetyl. Uh, Flavor-wise, it's very malty, you know, and a very clean, grainy character, low hop bitterness, uh, and a soft water profile. Uh, it's, overall, it's just a very malty lager. It's, I, I consider it a cross between, like, a standard American lager and a, uh, a bohemian pills. Kind of, not as hoppy as the pills, but it's got the maltiness of the bow pills. Right. But it's got the crispness of a standard American lager, you know. I yeah. Find- hmm. It's an interesting thought. It was an epiphany I had when I had a Paps before I came over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, you know the the thing I think of when I think Munich Hellas is Munich malt. I think you know more kind of that bready, and I think you know, but not to not to excess, not you know huge like you know more Bach like, but. You know, it's it's a richness of malt character, without being uh, with still being crisp, with still being clean, with still being uh, you know very quaffable. I could drink a gallon of Hellas in like one sitting, easy, without getting up to go to the bathroom. I'd be just like, ah, sounds like a perfect day. <laughs> right, I'd have to stand up a couple of times. I just can't readjust. I get flow. Let it, yeah, let I gotta it, move. Let gotta it like, flow down the leg. Gotta you know fill in the gaps. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Fill up all the the. Extra if I eat a, you know a bunch of food beforehand, I, I I can't even get a liter down. Oh, I don't know. It'll it'll it'll, it'll find, find its, the place. It'll find its way. It'll it'll it it'll, it'll soak in there. All right. Um, and I think the 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 mistake a lot of brewers make is um, uh, too sweet, like you're saying, not crisp enough. Definitely. Uh, sometimes too hoppy. I mean, a little bit of hop character. That's good. But they always seem too sweet to me. The homebrew versions. Yes. Always. There's always a cloying. Too sweet, kind of slack. Maybe some corn in there. Too much TMS. We have a homebrew version in front of us now. Would, would you say that your theory is holding? Yes. yes. John's nodding. It's good a really radio. good beer. It's clean yeah, I, I don't know. I got it pretty high. I think jet, the jet ski's in play. Well, it, uh, <laughs> what cracks me up because the guy's looking for the, the jet ski. Yeah, he's got the duct tape I, on the label. Right. Jet ski Hellas is the awesome. name of the beer. Yeah, I think he's on to something. Which, is, which is, is awesome. Wrapped in duct tape. Absolutely awesome. Who sent the beer in? It's actually Ryan Evans, uh, and I believe, if I didn't screw this up, and by me I mean Justin, he should be uh, on the line. You there, Ryan? Good beer. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, baby. Oh, What's great. happening? Now we can talk about his beer right in front of him. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's better for you to talk about him behind his back, man. Yeah. Uh, Turn around. Well, so, uh, so, Ryan, what are you going to do with the jet ski? I'm <laughs> not going to pick it up. Are you landlocked? You're not going to pick it up? Are you saying he won? Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, no, if you yeah, did win. No. If you should win. We haven't voted yet. I mean, yeah, if I, I'd take it out on the water. Uh, I live in Charleston, South Carolina at the moment, so I'll go take it in the ocean. How's that? Well, you'd have nice. to come out here and put wheels on it first. What if there's holes in it? <laughs> Get it off the cinder block, put the wheels on it, and then uh, tow it tow it out there. Then get it to I run. Drive it in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take it to the Panama. Right, yeah, you take it around. It's not that take far. Take extra can of gas, you're in good shape. Yeah, yeah, a couple hours, six pack. I think the previous owner had it on a lake, though. Is it built for the salt water? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, who cares? I'm just trying to, you know, We're going to get rid of that thing. That didn't go in, that didn't go in the yard sale. <laughs> I'm going to manage the details here. Oh, no, but that's it's a fine jet ski, and, and the duct tape is, is perfect uh, yeah. representation of what the jet ski is. Yeah, was this made by our friends at Grog Tag? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Their nearest competitor did it. So, Ryan, tell tell us about your beer. Tell us about your your process. What was what was your uh, your recipe? No, uh, it was basically the Brewing Classic Styles recipe. Um, I did a single infusion, and so the recipe just, was perfect. Uh, is what you're saying? Spot on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was right. I did take. I did only two ounces of melanoidin. Um, instead of four, uh, just because I wasn't sure on that, and I wanted to ease into it. Um, but other than that, a uh, 90-minute boil, and uh, you know, uh, started at like 48 degrees on the fermentation, ramped up to 50, and then uh, did the ramp up about a degree a day or so, just trying to ferment it out. Got it up to about 60, 64, and after about a week and a half, and. Uh, you know, then slowly brought it down to lager temps and lagered it for about a month. It's a pretty admirable effort, man. <laughs> nice job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Good job. It's a damn good looking beer. It, it matches these uh, commercial examples pretty much to a T as far as right. its appearance, doesn't it? I'd say it's it's clearer than the uh, Paul on there. And yeah. I think it's very close it's to Paul in flavor. Kind of cloudy. Yeah, I did uh, gelatin. For the dropout of the yeast, and uh, did uh, WLP eight sixty, which is a platinum strain. So I don't know if that's supposed to be a polliner or what it is, but uh, it's that yeast. Mm. Yeah, we've got uh, our beers that we have. We have the Vinde Stefan, uh, and we've got the polliner. We've got a Pennsylvania brewing uh, pen. Something. Somebody apparently turned all the bottles towards Scott. Which really I had them all turned that way, but then Scott moved them to read them, I guess. Forgive me. He, this had was, them, he had them turned so I could read them, which is really you know, part of the show. Um, Damn it, man. Was he taking a picture of him? Oh, that's what he was. Who cares about me? <laughs> Just saying. This is breaking the studio right now. Right. Yeah. Damage the studio. Go ahead. So we get the Pen- Pennsylvania Brewing Company Pen Gold. We've got the Vinda Stefaner Original Premium. We've got the uh, Jet Ski Hellas from Ryan. And we've got uh, Paul Anner's uh, Original Munich uh, Premium Lager as well. So 
uh, actually a good job, Scott, getting uh, commercial examples. Thank you. And actually, it was uh, it, a combination of the listeners and uh, Bevo. And uh, I oh, cannot take a look at Yes, we did. We All sent right. we sent That's her on a, on a run. Yeah. That's <laughs> why it isn't screwed up. The uh, the Penn Gold Beer is thanks to uh, our friend Gene from Pittsburgh. He's the guy who sent us in that ancient porter, if you guys recall, uh, from uh, oh, 1994. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And uh, so he was kind enough to send us in this uh, Penn Gold nice. Hellas. Maybe he should win the uh, jet ski. I like the pen gold. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's not bad. All right. All right. Um, all right. So smooth, malty. Grainy. Yeah, it's, malty it's within its scope, I think. It's got some, some crispness to it. Grainy malty. I, I mean, I, I can, yeah, I consider, you know, malty. I'm, I'm talking malty in flavor. I'm talking yeah. bready. No, yeah. Uh, you know, Fine uh, grain Pilsner, kind of yeah. you know, grain like, yeah. like, you know, great Pilsner malt character you know everything you get when you smell it and taste it and all that all that's there in liquid form it's you know it's like a liquid bread Mm -hmm. uh you know clean no esters no diacetyl uh you know a little bit of hop uh, character is fine um you know really a you know great easy drinking pilsner yeah and the gravity is what 1045 1052 ish Right. Uh, Tends to be on the higher end. Yeah, 10.45 to to 10.51. 16. Uh, Finishing is 8 to 12. Uh, ABV 4.7 to 5.4. IBU 16 to 22. And SRM 3 to 5. It's got that kind of like golden, uh, you know, straw golden kind of color. Much darker than, you know, an American. Um, You know, maybe not as dark as some Bohemians. You know, in in between like you're saying, John. Yeah, I shoot for a lower gravity on mine, just because I want a drier too. Right? Yeah, drier. You don't want to. You know, if you're trying to make a six percenter, it's it's going to be difficult for it to work out. It's going to be too heavy. It's you know, this is to drink in mass quantities. Well, I feel like if you're correct me if I'm wrong, but if you use a lot of pilsner malt and you go high end gravity wise in this style, mm-hmm. you're going to have some of those cloying issues with the sweetness potentially if you don't have a successful ferment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you go drier. Lower gravity, lower mash temp, and a drier final gravity. Mm-hmm. I think you have less chances of having a sweet residual sweetness in the beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and beer is malty by nature, so you're gonna it's gonna be malty no matter what, as long as you you know clean beer, correct, correct heat strain, healthy ferment. Hey Ryan, what was the ABV on yours? Uh, well, it finished out at ten ten, and the right in there. It's great. Oh, I'm looking for the ABV. It's somewhere around five. Yeah, right, right at five. Yeah, yeah, they're right, right in the, uh, right in the range there. Yeah. So, if you wanted to make a beer like this, but you wanted to kind of amp up the ABV a little bit, mm-hmm. would you be venturing into a different style? Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. Which one? Um, you know, you might be getting more into the Maybach hmm. type of thing. Yeah, yeah, the maltiness would go up right with the ABV. Right, and uh, you know that's you know like a good uh, you know Hellas Bach or Maybach, uh, you know it's like Munich Hellas Hellas Bach. Oh, it's the bigger it's Hellas you know ramped up. Well, I'll tell you if you want to uh, you know learn some of these brewing techniques and especially some of these you know traditional techniques, and one of the best places to go is you know a good brewing school, uh, Siebel Institute. America's oldest brewing school. They have more courses than any other brewing school. They they have advanced home brewing, craft distilling, beer styles courses for those looking to 
uh, you know, ace your uh, Cicerone oh, yeah. or, uh, you know, BJCP exam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they've been known, uh, you know, before this for their professional level brewing courses, uh, both on campus and web-based. But now they're adding, you know, a lot more homebrew stuff and a lot more style stuff, uh, which I think, you know, appeals to even a, a broader audience. And, you know, the faculty... Some of our good friends, you know, people like Ray Daniels, people like, uh, you know, Chris Graham, Chris White, uh, and, and, and more. You know, some of the best known and most respected instructors in uh, international brewing. So check them out, Siebel Institute. Siebel, Siebel.com. Siebel.com? I think so. Siebel Institute. Siebelinstitute.com. There you go. Just Google it. Google. <laughs> Google, for God's sakes. No. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, I want to hear... You guys' uh, opinions and rankings on these beers. Dissect it. And maybe we even get into a recipe uh, discussion here. There you go. Right after this. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st of... Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Sakajit. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beers social network of more than 5,000 members and some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz the forum the learning center and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest more beer catalog 
More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Brewers Publications is proud to announce its latest book, American Sour Beers, by Michael Tonsmeyer, with foreword by Russian Rivers' Vinny Chalurzo. Michael's an experienced home brewer, writer, and lover of sour beers, and is proud to bring you the book on this topic. What I'm passionate about is the flavors. I'm so excited for my new book, American Sour Beers. The goal of this book was to write something that is very practical, that really will help people to brew better beer. I really wrote it for every Everyone. The book starts out with advice on their very first sour beer, all the way up to proper technique for stacking barrels at a commercial brewery. Sour beers are my passion. Come see me at the National Homebrewers Conference in Grand Rapids or this coming fall at the Great American Beer Fest in Denver, Colorado. Brewers Publications presents American Sour Beers, available this summer at BrewersPublications.com and at fine brewing retailers near you. Back to Jamil, tasty and blise. It's brewing with style. Oh yeah! It gets Jamil riled. Make funny faces at him. Oh, is that what you're doing? I wasn't looking at your face. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Looking at these little pearly whites here. Pearly <laughs> pinks. Oh my god. Uh, all right, what were we talking about? Oh, we were going to, you know, declare a winner here. We're going to, we're going to get some. We're going to see if Ryan has indeed won the jet ski with his jet ski, Hellas. Let's see now. Let's start with Moscow. Well, let's start with the uh, the polliner. Um, I found it to be Appley. Appley, there's Apple character here, which I. Used to like and now read as 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 unpleasant because I've been it's been beaten over my head that that's an off flavor. So especially I got it. Evis was the first one I tried and I got that. Jamil, no, not agreeing. Hmm? Wow, I was like eight for my last eight with Should your you mix opinions. Up the Paul Hunter with something else. Well, unless uh, please a mixed it up. No, I, I, I it became more pronounced as I tried the rest of them because that wasn't even there a little bit in the uh-huh. rest of them. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, all of these beers look. This is really similar, and they are all fairly clean, so this is all nitpicky commentary. They're all pretty similar. The uh, Jet Ski Hellas uh, was really enjoyable, but again, I like picked up a little bit of a butterscotch flavor there, which could be a result maybe of the shipping or of the age. He sent this to me maybe like three or four weeks ago. Um, and then up against the other two commercial examples, the Pen Gold and the uh-huh. Weinstepaner, the Pen Gold was my favorite. I tasted it and went, ooh, this has hop character. But then I tried the wine chip on her, which was even a little bit more so on the on the hoppier side. Uh, uh-huh. And none of these are hop beers, obviously, right? They're just like up against one another. Their, their individual characteristics come out. Overall, I love this style. I, I could drink any one of these four beers, frankly. I'm be walking home. Yep. Honey. Drink All right, Ellis tonight. So your your number one is Pen. Your number two is the Wine Schwaner. Yes, and then your the, number three is the Jet Ski. The Jet Ski. Yep. And uh, Paul Hunter is your last. Yes. Interesting. Coming up the rear. You certainly are, <laughs> uh, John. <laughs> what would you say? I'm going to go n- number one by by Hitchman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think it's got the best balance of malt. There's a nice. Sulfate character there, the salts 
the water profile. I think the hops are there, but they're not. It's a it's a balance to the malty. If there is any sweetness. It's just really clean. The water, everything about that beer is well balanced. Huh. Um, I like the pen gold. I'm going to go pen gold number two from Pennsylvania. Huh. Even though I think it's out of style a little bit, I think it's more standard American lager. Um, I think it's lower gravity. It doesn't have the multi profile of the Weihestchen. And then I'm going to go number three, Polliner. Um, just because I think Polliner has some oxidation. Well, maybe not an oxidation, but more aging issues. And I don't think the hops are there enough to balance the malt profile. And I like the jet ski a lot. I'm, I'm thinking the travel time here, seven days in the heat across this country. Definitely, there's some oxidation issues I'm picking up in. Um, very clean beer. I'm sure it's better on draft back in South Carolina. Um, well, well fermented, well made. I, I do get some residual sweetness in it mm-hmm. from the Pilsner malt. So mm-hmm. it kind of, that's mm-hmm. a little too much for me. So. Okay. There you go. So you're Vine Stefaner 1, Pen 2, Pen 2, <coughs> Paul Anner 3, and uh, Jet Ski 4. Uh, it's not looking good for the Jet Ski unless uh, Tasty and I uh, come we out with to, uh, number uh, 1. We have uh, to come out of the dark here and uh, oh, the, oh, I, declare I, it the best. Yeah, right, right. All right, oh, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, uh, tasty. What's what's your take on these? Well, uh, it's the jet ski is going to still be sitting out front. It looks like because I'm going <laughs> to. I like the wine stefaner, right? I like the uh, well, and you like the jet ski too. You want to well, get that jet ski it is, out front? It is summer here, you know. So. Right. So you've been using the jet ski? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's hard, uh-huh. but there's no trailer for it, so it's kind of hard to get right. it around. But you drag it in a little ways. You drag it behind the. Uh, yeah. Behind the truck, let's put a, put a carpet on the bottom. Scar- sparks down the street, huh? Right. Okay. So uh, find find us out. Yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the, the, the really the Pilsner backbone in that. Beer. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. Nice, delicate. It's delicate though, and it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of a you know light grain character. Nice and clean. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a great beer. Uh, second, uh, I'm uh, kind of a fan of the Polliner. I like uh, it's a little sweet maybe for uh, for the style, but. Uh, I like that. It, uh, you know, it's got and again about the, the nice. Uh, it's I'm always just, I'm just thinking I'm just thinking about the malt, not so much. Uh, just got you know an interesting malt character associated with it. Uh, then actually, I have the jet ski third. It's uh, you know kind of a distant third, so I'm not a big fan of the pen gold. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's me lost somewhere lost its character. It's it seems like it's all that's left is uh, some base astringency kind of thing uh, malt character and uh, maybe it's maybe it's just hoppy now that the mall sort of kind of backed out so yeah i had the uh polliner second bevo just uh drank about a third of a bottle of it right from the bottle looked at me shrugged and went i like it the polliner yeah bevo's vote is for polliner i guess so there you go and then that would uh, maybe i should go polliner too then what? If Bevo likes it, maybe I I would like. It. No, thinking about it, huh? Hmm. No, I I have high high praise for the Polliner. Wow. Um, I think that that's you know uh, very close to you know a great Munich Hellas. Um, I did not get the Appley that you were talking about. No, I didn't get that either. Um, so I thought it was clean. I thought mm-hmm. um, you know uh, it's a little sweeter. And fuller than some of the others. But, uh, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, cracking, crisp, dry. 
and and snappy like a German like a German Hellas or, or like, like a German Pilsner, Pilsner. Um, you know, like a Bitburger or something like that. It shouldn't be you know so dry. And I think the Feinstein Stefaner is you know that, that that's, that's fine malt wise. The thing I don't like about that is the hops have a bit of a sourness to them. I don't like that hop character that seems a little skunky, sour. They are out of front. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's front. not a good floral, pleasant hop character. It's that's like you know, there's a bit of skunkitude, but yeah. it seems like it kind of fits with the style. But that's just no. maybe my wrong perception. Skunkitude, yeah. your Heineken beer, your Heineken. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an import. It's almost Heineken-ish. Yeah, I get that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, which I don't like. That that, that to me, I find offensive. So that's why I like the Pauliner, I think, better than the Weinstefaner, which makes Bevo right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'd like to know which one to pick up. Now the home run. The uh, the pen. If uh, now uh, I'm going to say one word to you, and take another sniff. Peanuts. I'm sorry to clarify. You said peanuts. Yes, peanuts. Not the other word. She wants to talk dirty. <laughs> no, no, no. I just definitely not, heard. Sorry, right. talk dirty anytime you want. Just jump right in. I heard penis. No, no, not penis. I don't get it. Peanuts. I don't get peanuts. It's very peanut buttery. I get I get a real nut nut kind of thing. I don't know. There's something. There's something a little odd in that. Um, almost vegetal. Almost uh, nutty. Um, for me, it was a little off. Yeah, it's all the malt's out of it. And who knows what's left after that when it deteriorated into right, right, something. Right. It's a nice beer. I mean, I could, I, could, I could end up drinking a you know, drinking a pint. If somebody gave it to me, I'd be like, yeah, all right. Um, and the jet ski, I have last. Um, you know, good effort. However, uh, it's got diacetyl in it. Does yeah, it warms up. So it's it's a bit butter butterscotchy, like you're saying, uh, Scott. Um, uh, you know, close, close. Uh, everything you know, it's, it's it's right in there. I I, I you know, uh, pitch a little heavier, uh, ramp up a little warmer at the end. Give it longer. You know, don't crash cool it. Give it plenty uh, of time to finish. You know, yeah, and tell them about the forced uh, diacetyl test. Just discuss that for the right, listeners. Right, right. We, so you can it's in your book. Right, so you can uh, take some of your beer, warm it up. Uh, 150. Uh, 150 degrees 15 for... Minutes. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. It'll blossom. <laughs> and uh, you get that diacetyl pretty quick. It'll tell you, before you even take it and, out of the fermenter. And so when you when you ship your beer, you can have your beer, taste fine, taste great when you've when you got it in you know South Carolina or wherever. You ship it warm across the, the country, and it takes seven days or five days to get here hot. Right. That seven days at 100 degrees is like 150 for a couple hours. Yeah. And so any any diacetyl, remaining diacetyl, will blossom. Or acetyl-lactate will turn into diacetyl. Right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. So, um, you know, that's one of the things, you know, give it give it longer. On lagers, you know, never never rush a beer. But, I th- you know, I think that was admirable effort. No. I think I think you know he, he it, had a chance I, in there. I couldn't find it until it warmed up. I, he started yeah. he started with a fine recipe. That's all I got to say. And then uh, you know, he, he almost had it. He almost had it, and he had a great label and a great name. Yeah. So uh, much appreciated, Ryan, yeah, for thanks, uh, Ryan. participating and uh, and helping us out with uh, 
Very nice beer. Yeah. And well, T- Tasty makes a, a good point, too, about the, the temperature. Like, I'll mm-hmm. bet you if he's serving that to his friends cold right out of his right. kegerator, they're oh, drinking it all awesome. day long. And oh, yeah. it was great. And they're like, that's what? Yeah. 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 I, I like butterscotch. That's the flavor. Right. It's a good one. Right. They sell a candy like that. Uh, you know, it is one of the toughest styles, like uh, uh, Tasty was saying earlier. He's saying, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, shows flaws easily, especially mm-hmm. when, um, you know, you uh, ship these things. So... Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to take on, but uh, good job. I'm going to do a diaphoresce for five. So I think the winner clearly is uh, the Paul winner because even I ag- agreed. <laughs> and Wait a minute, the, went uh, there three. How many firsts were there for and, and uh, West? And se- second place would be the finest Stefaner. No, uh, he went with like the pen or something. Oh, that's right, he was <laughs> or something, oh, right? <laughs> With the second uh, tier in the losers, and then the the third place would be the the pen, and the last place would be the uh, Jesky House, I think. Okay, right? That's not right. Bevo and I agree, so it must be correct. What are you asking? (laughs) What are you asking us? Great great mind, right? That's right. It really doesn't matter what you guys are going to say, right? Uh, It's just (laughs) it's just done that way. I just have to say. All right. Everybody got a recipe, or do you want to do it after the break? Do you need a minute to collect your recipe? I got it right here. You got it. Go, Tasty. <laughs> give, give us your recipe. Well, you know, I, I do like a, a lot of Pilsner character in my uh, German, or this is more of a Bavarian style, I guess, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got uh, 66% uh, Pilsner malt, about 11% Munich. I like the Munich character mm-hmm, my beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9% Vienna. Nine percent carapils. I want you know some body in this beer. By the way, the OG on this is uh, what am I doing here? One point oh four seven. So it's uh, it's pretty well uh, towards. It's about the middle of the style, I guess you'd say. And then in addition to that, nine percent carapils and Vienna. I have four and a half percent flaked uh, wheat. Mm-hmm. Get the beer uh, again a little more texture. Uh, I use the. Uh, General Labor said. Hmm. At the same time, he likes, the, uh, he, likes, he likes his wheat. He's like, I like to be, I like multi beer. I don't know. This may, uh, mm-hmm. I never, never had did one medal with this recipe, by the way. So <laughs> I liked it. The only category. Anyway, it, I used the A33 Bach and uh, mm-hmm. hopped all the way through at uh, 16 IBUs of Holler Tar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure if I did it a uh, 15 minute. Uh, Intermediate rest at 145 to uh, to uh, enhance uh, you know fermentability, and then I did my sack rest at 150. You know, and otherwise it was uh, you know typical lagering. When I made this before, I used what I call traditional lagering method, not the uh, not the accelerated method. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, brewing classic styles says it all. Um, <laughs> I like to go with, uh, you know, mostly continental Pilsner malt. Uh, let's say 10 pounds of that. What percent uh, would that be? I don't know about pounds. Well, uh, this is a well, six-gallon batch you're reading off here. Okay. Right, right. So right. Uh, Then I got it. Three-quarter pound um, uh, Munich. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot. Just a hint. And then a quarter pound of melanoidin malt. So you're talking like what's the know, purpose the, of the melanoid? What are you you trying to get? Really Obviously, you're just going to get melanoid. A little character. bit, yeah, a little bit of melanoid character, but it's it's you know just a tiny bit. If you didn't have melanoid malt, you can leave it out. It's a it's a subtle extra dimension. So if you go pilsner, yeah, and I think you're trying to do the same thing too by layering in these yeah, the different character. kinds of malts. Right. 
I'm trying to develop a little more complex mall character, right. but uh, not overdone, not too heavy, not too much. Right. And uh, I think you could make a great Hellas with just Pilsner malt. Oh, yeah. Would you like maybe, maybe doing a decoction mash to like develop yeah, the melanoids? I've... I, I, Too I'm much not, work. Yeah. Well, then I'm, I'm lazy. Then you put the melanoid, melanoid malt in there. Right. Yeah. So why why should you buy way bother, right? Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's quarter pound. It's you know, yeah. 50 cents worth of malt or whatever it is. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Munich. I like Hollow uh, Tower. I like, uh, you know... Uh, about an ounce, uh, around 18 IBU, uh, 60-minute boil. I don't like too much hop character. I think the Feinstein Summoner has too much hop character and a stinky hop character. So I think, uh, you know, going with uh, uh, just a just a bit, um, you know, a lower uh, alpha acid hop, it, you know, uh, you're going to get a, a little more character from that. Very subtle, very background. And my favorite yeast for this, is a Southern German lager from White Labs. That's a good strain. The 838. 838. Uh, Back yeah. when I was looking for Eyinger strain, I went with the 838. That's a great strain. And I really loved it. It's 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 really good for, for those Munich styles, I think. Um, a lot of sulfur produced, though. Right, yeah. right, right. So you you got you to gotta have a vigorous fermentation. Let it finish, yeah. And, uh, you know, it needs to be vigorous to blow it off. And then uh, uh, you could also use uh, the Y-East uh, 2308 Munich lager. Which is also an excellent, excellent choice. Uh, mash one fifty ferment. You know, go do that narcissist thing, or or start higher and go higher. Is mm-hmm. you know my thing. John, you got a recipe? Yeah, for five gallons, uh, it's very similar to both of yours. I would do seven pounds of German pills, uh, two pounds of two row, a pound of Munich, and probably a half a pound of Carafoam for a head retention. And the two row just kind of helps. I think it helps subdue the uh, the pilsner influence. Less likelihood of having residual sweetness. Um, I would use one and a half ounces of Hollow Tower hops for the last forty five minutes of the boil. Mm-hmm. That we don't get too bitter, but uh, you get a hop flavor in there. A ni- I would do a ninety minute boil, uh, forty five minutes with no hops, mm-hmm. just to blow off all that DMS precursors. Mm-hmm. I would use the. Uh, I would mash at 148 to 150 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would use the 833 box strain or the 838 Southern German mm-hmm. lager. Mm-hmm. And then I would ferment probably four to six weeks in the primary. Mm-hmm. That's my beer. Sounds really good. Yeah. There you go. Scott, have you brewed a Munich uh, house? No, I still need a lot of stuff to hide behind when I brew. Right. So, you know, I'll go with like a double IPA or, you know, Janet's Brown or something. Just, you know, just dump that right. syrup and those hops in there. <laughs> Janet's Brown, the, behind, the most successful, like, homebrew recipe. Well, because because it's hard to mess it up. I mean, that's a big reason for its success, I think. Because oh, you, you I don't mess think it up. so. I don't know. You could do it, Scott. Well, I think you I could do it. You're right. You're right. Janice Brown does hide a lot of errors. Yeah. Well, uh, more more so than a Hellas. Sure. Right? I mean, Less, yeah. For days. sure. For sure. Absolutely. But definitely a lot more so. I mean, yeah. Did you ever win a um, you win a gold for a Hellas ever in your homebrewing career, Jamil? Won a gold for every style. Every single style, huh? Did he ever win a gold? <laughs> yeah. 
He wouldn't stop until he did. I'm sorry. That was a stupid question. That's, that was silly. You're so begging for that answer. So that book is based off of a gold medal in every, every stop. stop. Okay. Bevo messaged me the question. I was just asking for her. <laughs> there you go. Blame it on Bevo. There you go. What, what, about, uh, Bevo. what about Heretic's Tank Space? Would you ever brew this style at your pro brewery? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I would in, in a heartbeat. You would? I don't think it would sell very well, but I would brew it in a heartbeat. I would love to have this beer on. What about dedicating just a, a little bit of space to it and then selling it to the people who like a, a bar like ours who, w- so, who would love that uh, you know our you know our brew length we're, we're doing like 30 barrels at a time so eh, you know it's it's difficult to move that much through a small tap room uh, of one style when you've got uh, we've got 12 13 different beers on at a time so um you know if we could brew like 10 barrels or 15 barrels i think we could move that i am Looking to get a, a three barrel system that I could, you know, crank out other beers on, oh, yeah? have homebrewers come down and brew stuff with us. I know, guys, got a couple of them and do that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. hook me up, brother. Yeah, I will. There we go. And then we could do stuff like this. We could do everything, and then serve in the tap room, and then probably, you know, peel off a couple of kegs for a brother. Please, yeah. There I don't. Go. I don't see enough of this uh, kind of beer for my money, right. and we all love it. Yeah, I, I, I do too, and. uh uh, nobody's doing it. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we will uh, wrap up with some questions from the chat or or maybe from Jerry, the electrician. Or more, st- more stupid questions from Bevo, probably. <laughs> oh, there you go. You'll blame it on Bevo. Ah, I love having you here, Bevo. This is great. Well, no longer the scapegoat. A chance, yeah. a chance to blame his stupidity on somebody else. Well, more of that right after this. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's a pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. 
All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. Adventures in Homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes. Some of the things Homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the Brutus brew stands and propane burners, the Serial Killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven-pound hopper, custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels, coolers, and mini-sized brew pots. Visit Adventures in Homebrewing at the National Homebrewers Conference this June in their home state of Michigan to see more Homebrewing.org creations. The Brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all-grain brewing. Adventures in Homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. And don't forget to use the current coupon code AIH10. Adventures in Homebrewing at homebrewing.org You're listening to Brewing with Style on the Brewing Network. Now back to Jamil, Tasty and Chicken Boy. This is Brewing with Style. All right, we're back. We're having a great time in the studio. I I'm, think I'm, I'm so comfortable. I think I'm going to be a, a problem come come next show. How's that? Drinking too much? Everyone's looking at me. <laughs> you three are like you totally staring at me. <laughs> what are you having an agenda like, or something? What? What? All right. How could that uh, be? I'm not going to get. I'm not going. Have you have you not been paying attention the last eight years? I mean, really. Jamil well, never I mean, goes off on rants. The style ever. was light. You did. Yeah, you know, we'd be you know in good shape. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I just can't wait to see all the beers on tap here. I mean, Jay Z's medical corner here. Um, <laughs> what's that? No. An IV of beer? No, 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 no. Uh, all right. So uh, y- 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 this thing where <laughs> I was thinking, well, maybe I should eat a little less red meat. Uh, you know, something like this because it's supposed to be bad for you. And then all these people are going, well. Yeah, you know, this meat, it stays in your colon for like five weeks. And, you know, I'm like, how? all right, so when I have steak and I have some corn on the cob. It's got a place to hide. How, how is it the corn on the cob? Like, Is there like a an express lane through my colon for the corn to come shooting out like three three hours later? Monday through Friday only. But, but, but the, the meat somehow takes five weeks to get through? I mean, how is this possible? Yeah, I don't know who's saying that. Uh, you know, there's, that sounds like you bullshit. Know, there's, there, yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, there's a, you know, 
please. I got please. one. I got one piece of plumbing that goes from from A to B. <laughs> you know, from uh, still working. <laughs> Right, right. And, you know, how is it that uh, the meat's not coming out, but the corn is? You know, explain that one to me. You know? It's all a lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, these people are full of crap. The corn isn't, no pun intended, or was there a pun intended there with the full of crap? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, the, the corn. How is it? How is, is it? The... You know, I, I, will, I will give up red meat. If somebody can explain to me how the corn is just like, you know. It's intermingled it's all, uniformly. It's, it's all chewed up in there. Yeah. How's that like somehow, you know, I, I see chunks of corn coming out. And it's all mixed in with the poo. You tell me the poo is not the meat? You're telling me yeah, that, you, ate, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, if you ate corn and meat only for so a couple days. I, I, right. They'd Obviously, the, meat, nice the meat's it, making its way. It wouldn't only be corn. You gotta, the corn's like a tracer. <laughs> right. It's yeah. a tracer, yeah. Yeah, it says, here I am. It's like a, a radioactive isotope. Exactly. Along with your meal. Exactly. That, that shows you what's that's passing why, through. That's why it always comes out whole like that. Right, so right, right. I, I, could, I could pass, I could eat something like, uh, you know, and 30 minutes later, I could be passing that thing. I, I get high, the high well, speed You're talking colon. Mexican now. <laughs> Oh my just, God. I'm just saying that whoever's made made this crap up about uh, you know it takes five weeks for meat to get through your colon. Yeah, they're they're just making it up. That's that's, yeah, that's nonsense. probably some hot chick that wants to give you enema. <laughs> well, you miss your old job right. yet, Vivo? No, they don't, they don't need to explain that. <laughs> I'm just done. Not asses. <laughs> just saying. So I mean, maybe it's if you don't eat enough fiber. I get my fiber. I got my raisin bran in the morning. Oh, me too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so, cur- I'm curious. So there, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm passing everything, no problem. Yeah. I, I but you know, if it's going to take five weeks, nothing's coming out during that five weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a, think, there's think, a first in first out yeah. rule of the colon. Yeah. There's no shuffling of order happening in the bowels. Unless there's some like you know. I was going to say something, but I'm just not going to. <laughs> she turned her mic on. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Head. All right. All right. So, so let's 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 finish up with any questions from the chat room from our, let's our lovely that. listeners. Yeah. My first Jay-Z's question. medical corner is now closed. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, going to talk. Is from Jeep and Oz, and he's from Brandon, Mississippi, and he said, "I've heard the tasty method of lager fermentation several times on the BN, but he never says whether or not he actually lagers after the raise to seventy Fahrenheit. Does he store cold after the fermentation fermentation schedule is finished? If so, how long and at what temperature?" Uh, yeah, well, I'd lager it, like, you know, while it's um, waiting for 48 hours for it to carbonate. But after that, I'm serving it. So, uh, now, uh, when I racked the uh, the beer out of the fermenter, and I made a beer for Schumann's wedding in 12 days, a Dortmunder export. So, I racked, I racked it out of the fermenter, like, on day nine, and then and, and do uh, with gelatin, and I immediately started uh, uh, carbonating the beer. Uh, so, and, and I, you know, coal crashing at the same time. So the beer was served in, on day 12. So technically, no, I do not lager the beer. It's like 12 days of fermentation. 12 days, 90 days of fermentation, three days of cellaring, conditioning, you want to call it that. Then you serve the beer. Now, gelatin was my clarifying method, right? So there's, there's some, I mean, the beer's not perfectly clear. There's yeast and suspension. So now I've got that same beer. Still in my in my uh, 
my uh, cold storage, I probably got like a gallon, gallon and a half. And that's not the same beer that I poured at Schumann's wedding. Now it has actually done some lagering, and there has been some sort, you know, some sort of logging character taking place. But all the all the uh, the ill effects of fermentation, I believe, were pretty much consumed, uh, you know, during the, the the during the ferment. That is during the high temperature, you know, uh, fermentation at the end. Right. I would. I, so what we're talking about is uh, Narcissus fermentation, yeah, yeah. where you start cold and you raise the temperature up through, right. uh, you know, through fermentation or towards the end of fermentation. Right. And the purpose is you keep you know, your your precursors of certain elements uh, lower in the beginning, and then you keep the yeast more active towards the end, and, and they tend to clean up more. Done right, I think. Yeah, the beer is pretty much ready for serving right afterwards. A couple of things to keep in mind. If you want to lager, you need to lower the temperature of the beer slowly, uh, you know, 2 oh. degrees Fahrenheit or 1 degree C per day, you know, slowly lower it down to keep the yeast active, to have them, uh, you know, uh, still viable and doing something. And you don't want to drop below 40 degrees if you're going to lager. The other thing issue is if you rapidly crash the yeast if you rapidly reduce the temperature the yeast to protect themselves and you know part of the process they tend to express more of these ester forming compounds uh and i saw a study when i was Hmm. doing the yeast book i found a study uh that showed that uh the yeast will express 30 percent more uh fruity esters than you'll end up with a beer with 30 percent more fruity esters if you rapidly crash a beer (laughs) Versus if you slowly lower the temperature down. Interesting. So you don't want to rapidly crash a lager if you're trying to avoid. No, so it's a window of time. Uh, you know, a couple of days. Okay. Um, you know, the slower you lower it down. If you're if you're doing, uh, you know, a couple of degrees a day, you're you know you're you're absolutely fine. Hmm, interesting. But that's I'll have to try that. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, so what is, so what is it? Is it uh, yeast stress? You think that's Producing those right. esters, right? So okay. the yeast, um, they respond to changes in the environment. Yeah. You know, it's like if somebody, uh, you know, tossed you off a, a cliff, you'd express certain fluids. Yeah, right, not your, and yes. you know, you'd scream, corn and uh, all, on, on your way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. You are stressing the yeast, and they they have a response to that. Yeah, dangerous. sometimes the response what you want. Sometimes sometimes the response is not what you want. Right. Okay. So. Uh, you know, if you're trying to get them to, to stop fermenting, you know. But uh, in lagers, I think at the end, you know, slow cooling is is better. Well, it's something I have to add to my regimen because because uh, I'm doing a fairly warm ferment with my my uh, aggressive fermentation. Mm-hmm. Esters would I think yeast esters would seem to be you know more prevalent. Adding to them during the cold crash would be probably something I don't want to do. You know, if you start cool and you you slowly ramp it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can you can get uh, and your timing's right. You can get a uh, you know a nice clean ferment. Low ester, right? Low ester. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, this question comes from Gay Kyle. He lives in Clarkson, Washington. He also, by the way, heard uh, penis when uh, Jamil said <laughs> <He did. laughs> uh, whatever it is that he said. Well, they're on the same page. Yes, nuts. Uh, this is regarding the style we were talking about tonight. Will you ask if this style would benefit from no sparge since you're going for a rich malt flavor? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think it potentially could. 
uh, you know, sparging tends to get a little bit more uh, tannins extracted from the grains. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- when, I think it could. But doesn't some of that character have a place in this beer? Yeah. Some of that. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm in all saying, beers. Yeah. Just wondering if that would be... I think if somebody's, you know, not getting quite the, the that nice rich malt character, um, that could be helpful. Then it would. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you can do that in any style, and actually, um, you know, it's it's a it's a nice character uh, when you do a no sparge. Yeah, good question. Yeah. All right, the last question is from Latter Day Brews. He's from Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, he wants to know what Jay Z would say. Is the highest ABV you could get from a Hellas before going into the Hellas Bach category? The reason he asks is because he has a Hellas that came in at 5.5% ABV mm-hmm. and feels that it's a bit too malty for traditional Hellas, mm-hmm. but a bit shy for the Hellas Bach. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to s- steer away from just declaring ABV. I hate the, the style guidelines for declaring ABV as a cutoff of something. Um, you know, same thing for, you know, any any style guidelines where they're like, oh, no, uh, it's, uh, you know, 6.6 instead of 6.5. Oh, it's in the next category or, it's, you know, it doesn't fit in that category. Like, really? Like you could taste it. Non-alcoholic beer is 0. 0.5 and below. So you're telling me 0. 0.1 makes me, you know, not in that category? It's stupid. Um, so I think 5.5 <coughs> versus, you know, 5.4 for the category Ignore it. You know, the, 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 the accuracy of uh, the calculation of, of uh, you know, your starting gravity, finishing gravity, that's probably wrong anyways. You could be higher or lower than 5.5 anyway. So I'd, I'd just call it a Hellas if it tastes like a good Hellas. But he's saying, you know, too malty for a Hellas. I, I, I mean, well, it depends on what you mean by malty. I don't think you could be too malty for a Hellas as malt flavor if you're sticking with Pilsner and Munich malt. Well, if you I had think a, you'd be you too, too sweet malty, right. possibly. But if you had a 5.5 by having a higher finish, then it could actually could be, could be fairly malty. I mean, to be too, sweet, too, sweet malt. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing I. <laughs> I only have a few tools in my toolbox. You can add a little bit of water to it. I was going to say, add, <laughs> put 10 ounces of beer in a glass, right. add an ounce. Right. That would be reducing the beer by 10%. Instead of a 5.5, you'd have a 5.0. Right. The beer's better, but you answer your own question. There you go. Yeah. Good advice, Tasty. Well, and for uh, lots more great advice, you know, check out the archives, thebrewingnetwork.com. We've got uh, eight years plus worth of shows. Uh, that a lot you of can, archives. Find. Yeah, I, you know, we, we've been running our mouths nonstop for many, many hours. You can listen to your freaking ears bleed. Uh, we we have uh, provided you that opportunity. And, and really, it's our fine sponsors like Northern Brewer that have uh, made that possible for you. So go check them out, northernbrewer.com. If you want to support the Brewery Network, uh, come on down to the Hop Grenade for one. And also... Uh, uh, check out the store. Uh, they get books, shirts, uh, glassware, all sorts of goodies in there. And when you buy that stuff, it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and really helps out. So don't be shy. Get yourself a hoodie today for the upcoming uh, winter season or if you're in a cold room somewhere. All right. Till then, brew strong, everybody. And open. Be clean. 